All right, how many of you have had that conversation before? I tell you, hey, can we just one last time give a big round of applause to all of our moms in here today? We are. Seriously, we, we do not take this day lightly, and we just hope that you will be extremely blessed um, by all those that you love. And I don't think there's probably anybody who knows that conversation better than moms, right? <laughs> Trying to help kids uh, in their struggles in their life. Well, um, as Jason said, um, we're in this series called Trying to Get Our Life Back, because the truth is, all of us have a nail in our head. <laughs> Every human being, what it means to be human is that we all have something that we struggle with. We all have stuff that is causing hurts within us. We all have hangups. We have habits. We have different personality quirks. We've got things that we struggle with. And so what we've been talking about is, well, how do we get our life back then? And so this is actually, if you're new or this week or visiting with us, um, we're in the fifth week. And we started off, uh, number one, week one, saying, if you're really gonna have ch a change happen in your life, the first thing you have to do is you have to give in. You've got to actually accept the fact that you're a human being and that human beings were created dependent and we don't have everything that takes within ourselves. Then secondly, the second week was then look up because we can't do it, but when you look up, you realize, wow, there's a God who actually knows everything. He knows the deep things inside of you. He knows stuff about you that you don't know about yourself. And not only does he know, he cares, and he can actually do something about it, which leads us to, last, uh, to the third week. You give in, you look up, and then you let go. <laughs> because you finally realize, I can't, but he can. And so you get to this point where you want to surrender your heart to him. Hi. Good to see you guys. And then week four leads us, last week we talked about you have to come clean. Once you realize there's a God who can do all this, you actually have to do a, a serious inventory of your life and just get it all exposed because God's grace is ready to reign and to have an effect on our life, but it only comes as we are gut level honest and specific about everything that we're really struggling with. And if we come clean with this, then God moves. And so today, in week five, once we get through all this, I can't, God can, I'm going to let go, I'm going to do a deep inventory of my stuff that's holding me back, then today's message is called, the next thing you have to do is you have to be hungry. You have to be hungry. By definition, if you have hunger, it's having a strong craving or a desire for something that you lack. I really want what I don't have. And so today, the question for us, and this is, I, when I look at the eight weeks and these steps we're going through, this one seems to be kind of a crux. This is a fork in the moment week for us as we go through this series. How badly do you want to be free and how bad do you want the victory? So for me, when I think about hunger, uh, the first thing that I think about is this. Snickers, right? <laughs> Because Snickers does what? Satisfies your hunger. That's right. So this is my Mother's Day gift. Anybody up here want one? Mom, over here. There you go. How about uh, back up here? Oh, man. Front row. Here we go. Now watch out. I hurt somebody first service. So I'll try. There we go. <laughs> Threw it a little bit too hard. Anybody back up here? Oh, wait, wait. Okay. There you go. Oh, short and bruised. 
How about back here? Way up there. Oh. <laughs> the thud of the snicker bar. Happy Mother's Day. That's, that, that's my gift to you. But here's what I love about the Snickers commercials. Their phrase is so true when they said, you're not you when you're hungry. You're not you when you're hungry. And so what the Bible is going to try to help us to see and understand today, you actually need to have a desire you need for anything to change in your life. The, something has to happen deep down in your soul. It's got to be more than cognitive understanding. There's a lot of things that we get up here that never move down to the core where our will is and we don't change. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus put it this way. Blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are those who have deep desire. Blessed are those who crave for something that they lack. And then he goes on, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. righteousness. <laughs> now I know as soon as you, for many people, as soon as you hear righteousness, it's like, ooh, that's so like, just don't like that word. <laughs> we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because then he says, but if you do, you will be satisfied. Isn't that Snickers' line? <laughs> Snickers satisfies. Well, here's what God's trying to tell us. Righteousness, to get the negative connotation out of that word, what you and I need to hunger and thirst for is what's right, what's good, what works. That every one of us actually hungers for. We're all trying to figure out. Every decision you make as a human being, you make it because you think it's going to be what satisfies what's good and what's right. But here's what's interesting. When the Bible reveals what righteousness is, we realize that there's only one who's right. One time a guy came up to Jesus and he said, good teacher, and before he could even go on, Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one person who's good. God is the only one who's good. He's the only one who's actually right who's actually holy in everything he does. So what righteousness is, is it's actually anything that's in line with God. So once you get in line with who God is and what he wants, that's what, what Jesus was saying. You have to hunger and you have to thirst for what's in line with God. And when I looked up that word this, this week, this was the best one for me. Righteousness is the state of him who is as he ought to be. Let me say that again. Righteousness is the state of him who is as he ought to be. So here's what we discover with God. He created us. He's the only one who knows what life is supposed to actually be lived like, generally as a human being, but also specifically for you. And this I do know about every one of us in this room. All of us want to be who we ought to be. That's what we want. And what God is saying to us today is, listen, then we all know that we're not, no one in here would ever say you're perfect. Everybody in here is struggling with something. And he's saying, if you really want to change, then you have to hunger. You have to thirst. You have to crave and you have to desire what's 
right. And I'm the only one who knows what that is. And if you will cling to that, if you'll cling to me and get in line with me, I will satisfy your soul. I love it. One time Jesus said, he who drinks this water that I offer will never thirst again. And he'll meet us there. Now in these steps, because we've been setting this all up for our Celebrate Recovery ministry that we're doing in just a few weeks. In this step, it says this. Here's what we need to do today. We need to voluntarily submit to every change that God wants to make in our life. And we need to humbly ask him to remove, humbly ask him to remove any character defect. And I just want to tell you, this is hard. Listen, as we, as we dive into this. But I do know this, that if we can get ourselves to this place where we'll actually hunger for what God has for us, he will so meet every one of you in this room. He will meet me. And he will change us. All right? So let me pray, and then we'll dive into what it means to be hungry. Father, thank you for revealing to us what is true and what is right and what is good. Jesus, we worship you. We're, we're, we're here this morning. We have given up our time this morning because we believe that you are the truth. You said, I am the truth. When we look at your life, we see what is right and what is good and what is productive. And God, I know this, you know all of us in this room and you know exactly where to meet us and I'm asking right now on behalf of everyone in this room that you will go to the deep place today. Not to just our intellectual understanding, but the deepest part of our being where our will is, where we decide whether we will actually allow you to change us or not. Would you give us hunger today, God, for what's right? And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so here we go. Three things. When you're hungry, it means you have a desire, right? So there's the first thing that the Bible says. You need to actually desire the work of God. You need to desire the work of God. And, and here's what I know. Some of you are here this morning, and, and through these, this last month, or just through your life, but there's been enough struggle. There's been enough brokenness. There's enough stuff that's actually destroyed your pathway that you haven't been living the life that you want to live. And you know that. And you're here today and you're hungry, right? You're hungry and you're thirsty and you're going, man, if I don't get something to eat like right now for my soul, I'm going to die. Some of you are there today. But some of us, and probably most of us, kind of know what's right. We maybe know the thing we should do. But the truth is, we really don't want to. <laughs> I won't even make you raise your hand, because that's most of us in this room. And so the key here to understanding this, sometimes what we have to actually say is, God, would you help me want to want? Because <laughs> sometimes I don't even want it. I need you to give me the want. Now, here's the key. In that phrase from these steps, it says this, that we're supposed to voluntarily submit to every change that God wants to make. So this is the really important thing. We must desire the work of God. And so Jesus said this. He goes, my father's at work all the time. He goes, and I too am working. And so what the work of God is and what we're supposed to hunger and thirst, right, is righteousness. What's actually good and right and productive in our life. Now here's really important. 
So Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he said this. He goes, I want to be found in Christ not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. He goes, okay, so he goes, yeah, I want to get what's right. He goes, but I don't want a righteousness that I have mustered up on my own that comes from the law. So basically what Paul is saying is, and this is, to me, this is really good news. He goes, I want to stop trying to show and prove how right I am. That's what he's saying. Because I don't know about you, how many of you know someone who's a little self-righteous? And when someone is self-righteous, it's because they have worked so hard to show how right they are, and then they immediately start to think that they're better than everybody else. Sounds like church, which is a shame. (laughs) We're supposed to be just the opposite. But here's what Paul says. I'm going to stop doing that. And then he goes on. He goes, I want to be found in Christ because I want a righteousness that comes through faith in him. Now listen to this. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. You guys, the key to this thing is we've got to desire God's work in our hearts instead of us trying to make ourselves right. And it's so different. So Ephesians 2.10 says this. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And this is really important for us. So that word workmanship, sometimes it's created, we are God's masterpiece. And every time I see this, this, this scripture, I immediately think of my dad who built this small barn next to our house and he made it his workshop. And my dad, after he retired, all he loved to do was just build stuff with wood. And he would go in and he'd design it. I'd see him and he'd sit down and he'd craft it on paper and then he'd go in and he'd just build anything and everything. My house is full of stuff that my dad just built. And what God is saying is, that's what I want to do with you. So the two verses right before this is when it says, we are not saved, I'm sorry, we are saved by grace through faith, not by works. Okay? Totally, you, you receive God's, in Jesus Christ into your life, and he rescues you, and then what God says is, but as soon as you receive me into your life, then I go to work. So God is the one who actually works inside of us. So what we have to decide is, do I really want God to do work in me? Now, Philippians 1.6 goes on and says this. Paul says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That That is a fantastic verse. So what he's saying is, as soon as you receive Christ in your life, then God starts to go to work to heal all of the wounds and the hurts of your past. So much of the behavior defects, the character defects that are in our life are because we are in so much pain. And so then we're using all this stuff and substances and money and sex and different things to kind of numb our pain. So God comes in, he receives, he goes, I'm gonna go to work and I'm gonna start to heal those things inside of you. And then I'm gonna start to build up a character in you. And I love this because if I be, God says, if I begin a good work in you, I'm going to carry it on to completion. There's great hope in that. Now, this is great news. It really is. 
Because what it does is you no longer have to put pressure on yourself. Now, and let me just ask you, how many of you have been exhausted and frustrated by trying to get better? Anybody? <laughs> I mean, that's the human condition. We're all trying to get better, and it's exhausting. And then if you can't make yourself better and you're still stuck, it is so frustrating. So this is really good news. It's not your job. Yeah, I get, yeah, you, I mean, it's, it's not your job. It's his job. Yeah. Now, but I also want to say this. This is really scary news. <laughs> this is really scary news. Because what it means is this. If it's God's work and not yours, then it means you have to turn loose the control of your healing. You have to turn loose the control of your healing. And this is why it gets scary, because now we're thinking, oh my gosh, what if God actually does this? And the reason I'm saying this is this. The only reason all of us do any behavior that we actually don't like, but the reason we do it is because there is a payoff, isn't there? You would never do something repeatedly that somehow wasn't helping you in some way. And so for some of you, the reason this point is so huge is because for four weeks now, we've gotten to the core and you've gotten it exposed. And you kind of know for sure what it is that's really broken. But the thought of not having this in your life scares you to death. Because if I don't have that alcohol, or if I don't have that drug, that's what numbs my pain. If I don't keep spending, even though I know, I'm, I, I know it's ruining me, I know I'm in debt, I know it's gonna, but if I don't keep spending, it's somehow it's just I can't imagine the fear that would come inside of me. All the weird, funky behavior patterns, relational stuff that we do. Part of you goes, man, I know I can't have a good, solid relationship, but this is what protects me. This was mine, actually. I remember, man, I remember I was 27 years old, and I was sitting at the table back in Michigan, kind of just having my morning time with God, connecting with him. And I, as clear as a bell, I felt like God said to me, hey, David, I don't want you to be nice to people anymore. No more Mr. Nice Guy. He goes, I don't want you to be nice to people. I actually want you to love them. Do you guys know there's a difference between being nice and actually loving people? See, because you know why I was nice? Because if I'm nice, then what will you be? Then you'll be nice. And people who are nice many times are doing that because they're so fear, this was me, so filled with the fear of rejection that I'm willing to play this surfacey game with you and not live in any type of actual reality and let's just make, keep peace right? And some of you, and so if God's finally saying, hey Dave, I don't want you to be nice to anybody. I want you to be kind. <laughs> That's a fruit of my spirit. But I actually want you to start loving people. And I want to tell you, man, the thought of not using my defense mechanism of being nice, I literally, it's like if there was a spiritual door, I slammed it right in God's face. <laughs> Bam! Because it so scared me to think if I'm going to actually let God heal my heart, Okay, listen to this. 
if you're actually gonna let God heal your heart, he is going to ask you to get rid of everything that you've been using. And you guys know that the stuff you've been using is what's actually destroying you. And I tell you, this is why it's scary. Because this is when we finally get to the point where it's like, you know what, I don't know if I really want to be changed. And some of you are in that conundrum today. On one hand, you know if you don't stop this behavior, it literally, for some of you, will kill you. For others of you, it will just keep you in a bind and you will never be free. And on the other hand, is so much fear because you can't imagine not using that destructive behavior to protect your heart. So what we got to do here, God says, you got to be hungry. You got to be hungry, man, for righteousness, for what's actually really, truly good for you. And you got to thirst for it. So I want to say, as, I've been, as I went through this whole thing and sat with us this week, I realized that this Sunday, you need to, here's, here's where we're going. You have to be willing today. You have to go to your will, and you have to be willing for God to change you. Willing, without willingness, it'll never happen. So I just got to ask a couple of questions before we go on. Are you ready today? To actually let God remove all the things which you have admitted are not good and right. Are you ready today to let him remove it? Are you willing to let God take care of that character defect? And, and, and here's what I'll just say. If you're not, and we'll get to this in just a minute, then ask God to make you willing. If it's too scary... Ask him for help. And that's what number two. So the first one is we have to desire the work of God who does the work and that we got to stop trying. Number two is we need to ask God for help. Ask for the work of God. Ask him for it. I tell you, I don't know about you guys, but when, talk about hunger. As soon as my kids walk through the door, what's the first thing they do? The back go, backpack goes flying. It's like, what's for, what is their first snack, Right? And here's, here's what's crazy about my kids. They have no problem, and they never have since they were this big. They have no problem saying, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Now, and here's the thing. Why, when they walk through my door, is the first thing they say to me, I'm hungry, what is there to eat? Because I can tell you this, if they walk through your door, I don't think they would do that. At least they better not do that. Right? No, but seriously, right? My kid is not going to walk into your house and go, hey, I'm hungry. Why not? Because there's a confidence. They know when they walk through our house, that's what mom and dad do. We supply food. <laughs> and they have confidence that when they come home, it's time for a snack. So they just ask us. So isn't this crazy? Look at Hebrews 4.16. 4, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Here's what God is saying. I have grace and I have mercy to help you. Are you in need today? I can help you. So come with confidence. Now why is it that most of us don't feel confident to go before God? 
See, this is why I've been saying it through this whole, this whole series. What you believe totally affects your behavior. And if you, on a daily basis, don't go to the throne of grace, by the way, isn't it so cool that it's a throne of grace? Not a throne of judgment, it's a throne of grace. He's saying, come on, I'm your dad, and I love to give you exactly what you need. And most of us don't believe that, so we're off trying to muster up, like, I'm just imagine my kids scouring the neighborhood in garbage cans looking for a snack. When I'm sitting there, you know, and I've just made like pizza bagels for them or something. Come on, come to me. Now here's what he's saying. Whatever you need, whatever you need, God is saying I'm there. There was a mantra that the Israelites used in the Old Testament all the time. Said it over and over and over. I've been using it the last few months for myself. And it says, the Lord is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. See, if you know that God, then you'll go to him and you'll say, please help me. Now, two things he'll, say, he'll give you. The first one, he says, is you'll receive mercy. Now, these words are very interesting because mercy assumes need that the person can't meet, okay? So if you go around town and you see someone who has a need and you realize they can't meet it themselves and you actually provide that, that's mercy. See, if you, if you see somebody and they can totally meet the need and they're just deciding not to do it, it's like, what? Right? So what you need, what, by definition, what God is saying is, if you haven't been able to change yourself, if you haven't been able to heal your heart, if you can't get over this addiction, if your personality and your behavior uh, uh, patterns are completely destroying your relationship, I can give you mercy. I can see that you have a need that you can't meet, and God's going, come on. I am full of mercy. Second thing he says is, and I'll give you grace. And grace, again, by definition, means it's a completely free thing. God is never saying, now, but do some things right, be a good person, and then come to me. He's like, no, grace is something I just want to freely give to you. But what is grace? Grace is God's power that can do for you what you can't do for yourself. It is the power to change. And it comes free. And you guys, I just want to tell you, the first thing, if we're actually going to experience change in our heart, we have to desire, be hunger, hungry for God's work, and then we have to go to him and ask him. Just like my kids, I'm hungry. <laughs> Give me some food. Jesus is going, every man, man lives on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Come on, let me feed your soul. Just ask me for it. I'll give you mercy. I'll give you grace. God is so ready. Can I say this? God is so ready today to touch every one of you right where you have need. Just ask him. One last thing I got to say about this one is this is not something you do once. You don't go to God's throne and go, okay, God, get on your knees and beg. And then I do this like all the time, okay? This verse is one I have so memorized because I believe when I wake up in the morning and whatever my issue is, is if I can't handle my kids at the moment, if I can't handle them, if my, if my marriage is struggling, if I'm stressed out about this job, if I mean, whatever my deal is, every morning I know he says, you guys know that the scripture says, my mercies are new every morning. Keep asking him, okay? All right, here we go. 
Number three, desire it, ask for it, and then receive it. And here's where the rubber hits the road. Because I think there's a lot of us in this room who actually really do want to change. And some of you believe that God can help you. Some of you have actually asked for his help. And nothing's changing. Why is that? How does this actually come? And this is the crux. We have to receive the work of God. So Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says this. My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So here's what he's saying. What's he saying again? See it? God works in you. So he does all the work. Now what does God do? So again, some of you, I just want to say, if you're in here, he says, I work in you to will. Isn't that awesome? And so again, for some of you, if you're in here and you go, I don't even have the will. I know this isn't good and I I kind of want to stop, but in my will, I don't. How cool is it to say, and God is going, listen, I can work in you even to will. And so if, if you're in this room and you actually find your will, something causing hunger and thirst within you, then part of it, I love the fact that I'm, we're so human that God goes, I know I even have to give you the desire inside. And this is why, for me, I say, if you don't have it, then ask for it. Have you guys been there? I have, as a human being, where I have stuff that I know I don't want to do, and I keep doing it, and for some reason, even though I kind of desire to stop, I have a deeper desire not to. And what I've realized is sometimes I actually have to ask God for the will to even be able to change. And the good news is, God will give it to you. He will give you the will. Now, what does he say? It is God's he to will and to act. And here's what I love, you guys. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God has a good purpose. Remember what Jesus said. He goes, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come so you can have life and have it to the full. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Be hungry, and I'll give you life to the full. I will satisfy that deep place. But what it is, is it's his good purpose. See, what the Bible has told us all is God has created us. He knits you together exactly as he wants you to be. He knows all the days ordained for you. He says, I have plans for you, to f- not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. That's what God wants to do inside you. So that's God's work in you, to will and to act so that you'll actually act out and get in line with his good purpose. So, What's our work? Because in this verse, go back to verse 12. It says, you and I are supposed to work out our salvation because God's working in you. So he moves in you to will, to desire, and so that you'll actually act. And then we're supposed to work this out. 
So what does that mean? This is so interesting, I think. I think this is so key. So a guy comes to Jesus one day, and he says, hey, Jesus, what good works must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, the work of God is to believe. The work of God is to believe. See, this is great news. Because again, what's he saying is, Jesus didn't go, oh, well, I've got some works for you to do, right? He didn't have this long laundry list. He said the very work of God, the struggle that you actually have to do is, is to believe. And then in Colossians 2.6, it says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. So how did you receive him? Any of us who, are, any of us who have a relationship with God through Christ, Here's the one thing you'll hear from every true Christian. I wasn't doing anything. Like my story is, I was running away from God. <laughs> I wasn't doing stuff to try to find God. No one is saved, right? You're saved by grace through faith, through believing, not by works. So he says, just as you received him, and the only way you receive Christ is by believing, he goes, now you live that way. Now you walk it out. Now, here's what's really important for us. Again, is that to believe does not mean to simply cognitively assent that it's true. And this is a problem for Americans right here. I think many of the reasons why Christians get stuck and never experience transformation in our lives is because we think we believe. But in James, he says, even the demons believe and they shudder. See, so it doesn't mean that you just believe he's there. The word believe means you trust him. It means you trust it. At the core of your soul, you get to the place where you said, you know what, Jesus? I trust you to save me from my sin. And I trust you that you're God and I'm going to surrender my life to you. And he says, as soon as you trust me, I go to work. So, in Romans 12, 1, he goes, you got to work this out. Well, what's the work? Don't try any, guys, quit trying. <laughs> do you see this? What's the work of God? Well, i got to go to church more, and I need to do more religious things, and I need to read my Bible, and I need to do all this stuff. And he goes, stop trying and start trusting. So in Romans 12, 1, it says this. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way that you actually worship God. And I said this first service, here's what I think. I think if Jesus could actually pop in today, I think he would look at every single one of you in this room and I think he would just grab you very gently by the face and look deeply into your eyes and he would say, please, I urge you. So many times in the Bible it says, I'm pleading with you, I'm urging you, I'm telling you guys, Jesus came to set you free. He came to satisfy your soul. He came to give you life. This is what he's all about. 
And then he'd hold your hand and he'd say, oh, here's all I'm asking you to do. Quit trying and trust me. And I love in this verse it says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. So here's all I could think of. How many of you, go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you have had surgery? How many of you have had surgery? Okay, isn't this great? Like almost everybody's had surgery. How many of you actually got knocked out when you had your surgery? Okay. Now here's what's interesting. I remember, man, like I thought I was pretty calm and cool the last surgery I had to do. And then when I got in there and I realized they were gonna shoot me up with stuff and all of a sudden I was gonna go unconscious. Did anybody else start to freak out just a little bit? Like all of a sudden I started getting anxious. Why? Because it's actually scary. (laughs) Because what you're doing in that moment is you are saying to this person, what? You can do whatever you want with me. (laughs) You are gonna be totally out and you are absolutely entrusting your life to that surgeon. And it's scary to do that, but here's what I know. What you're saying in that moment is, I don't want this condition anymore. The pain that I'm in is worth totally trusting you to knock me out and you have at it with my body. That's what you're saying. And I want to tell you right now, that's what God is saying to you today. Quit trying to do your own appendectomy. Quit trying to do your own surgery and believe that I am the one who does the work. And then you completely surrender to me. And that's what you did in that moment. You told the surgeon, whatever you have to do to bring healing to me, I want you to do it. And it hurt. And it healed. And God's saying this morning, please trust me. So as the band comes up, and we're going to close today, here's what I want to ask you to do. What is it? We started this series. I went down this list. We all laughed because you knew. Is it overworking? Is it overeating? Do you know right now that you have eating habits? They're killing you. Literally, you might get diabetes. You don't even know. Is it overspending? Is it alcohol or is it drugs? Is it anger or bitterness that you cannot forgive another person for? Is it a sexual addiction that you're scared to death of and you're trying to hide? Is it relational patterns that keep everyone at an arm's length and you are, you are so longing to just be known and to be loved and you can't, you can't, you always sabotage your relationships? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? And here's what I want to ask you to do today. You have the chance I would, you can do whatever you want, man. I would just sit there and I might just hold it in my hand. I, somehow, I really believe you have to visualize what the thing is in your life that you have never been able to overcome. 
and you need to tell God today, I want you to do this. I actually want you to set me free. And I can feel the fear rising up within me already. But today's your chance to be able to say, would you take this away from me? I desire, I am hungering and thirsting for what's right in my life. And then ask him to do it. And then trust him. Do the work of God and believe that he will. All right? Let's pray. God, it's amazing to me how messed up our brains are. It's amazing to me how wrong our perception of you is. You who did not hesitate to give up your own son, how would you not graciously give us all things? Holy Spirit of God, I pray right now that you would do your own intimate and personal work in every one of us in this room. There's not a human in here who's got their act together. Would you meet us in that place? And would you give us the courage, the grace, the mercy that we need right now, even right now, just to say, help me. I'm willing to let you remove this character defect in my life. God, give hope and strength and courage in the confidence that you will set us free and that you're good. And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this song you guys were going to sing says it perfectly. They chose a perfect song. It simply says, if you're going to have any chance of being any change today, you actually have to come to God just as you are. Not with your mask on, with all your brokenness, with all your fear, with all your questions. You lay him before, come to him exactly as he is, as you are. And then God's grace will touch you. He will touch you if you'll be honest with him, okay? And we're going to take our offering during this time. And you guys, part of the reason why we are is right here, right now, when, when you've experienced Jesus setting you free from stuff, you just love him. And you want other people to experience it. And so, you know, God said, man, I don't, I don't want, like, I like a cheerful giver, man. I don't want somebody who's going, oh, all right, if I have to. And, and I want to tell you what, man, once he's really set you free, you don't go, all right, if I have to. You just go, I just go, I love you. So if that's you, here's what I'd love for you to do. Even as the offering bag goes, if you participate or if you don't, but if you participate, either way, when that bag goes, give your offering and then offer him your stuff. Give it to him today and let him heal it. Let him touch it, all right? And then whenever you're ready, you stand and let's worship him together.